Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. It is the biggest track that NASCAR visits annually. It's Talladega Super Speedway. Dale Earnhardt Jr. making his final start. He'll start from the pole. Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. The field of 40 making their way by this packed crowd. Green flags in the air. There's a problem. Jimmy McMurray gets hit. Earnhardt gets into him. McMurray's going to get hit again. Coming into the trial, but for the final time of stage one, Brad Keselowski with the advantage. Keselowski will win stage one. Slowing down the 48, there's contact. He's got Jim to the right the rear. And as they come to the end of stage two, Ryan Blaney's going to win this one. Hard into the wall, the 41 of Kurt Busch. He'll collect the rest of the field. Nothing is automatic in the playoffs. Big wreck behind them. Legato gets in it. Ryan Blaney in the 21. Big hit for him again. It's an attrition race now. Through the trial, will they go. Keselowski is going to win at Talladega. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. It is what we were waiting for, a race unlike any we have seen this year. Three red flags bringing Talladega to a halt for a total of 35 and a half minutes. Brad Keselowski's team had to repair the antenna so the two-team spotter could communicate with the driver, and they went on to victory lane. All told, 26 cars failed to finish the race, and in the end, only 14 cars were still running, tied for the fewest in the history of Talladega. The Rex claimed two-thirds of the playoff field. Jamie McMurray left the party on lap 26. Four playoff drivers, including Kyle Busch, got caught up in the big one on lap 172. Kevin Harvick and Ryan Blaney were done after the wreck on lap 178. And Chase Elliott went out on lap 183. In the end, four playoff drivers remain, most notably the winner, Brad Keselowski. Hey, everybody. Welcome into NASCAR America. Carol Amano alongside Kyle Petty. We also have our Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett, joining us from Charlotte. And Nate Ryan will be with us as well. Before we begin, I must say, Kyle, hearing the crowd on oh. Sunday from Talladega was just incredible. Very close to a sellout. But the way that they were rooting for Dale Earnhardt Jr., you felt like you were there when you were watching the race. Uh, you know, watching driver introduction is always exciting. Um, when the guys go across with their kids and with so much going on. When Dale Jr. came out, Got the proclamation from the governor. The whole, the grandstands just rumbled. It was absolutely phenomenal how loud it was to be sitting there on our desk uh, waiting for the race to start to hear that noise. DJ, did it drum up any old memories for you? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's such an electric place anyway. And when you see those stands get filled, and you can almost, as a driver at times, catch a glimpse of them standing there. If you're battling for the lead or you see there's a battle. And yesterday, it was kind of like we had a lot of battles for the lead. And then the other uh, part of the crowd was watching Dale Jr. with every move that he made, whether it was up front or making his way back towards the front. So uh, it was a great playoff atmosphere uh, and, and 
someone deserving of Dale Jr.'s last run there. We also learned today that there's another member of Junior Nation on the way. <laughs> Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yes. Yeah. and his wife Amy announcing that they're expecting a baby. Fantastic news for their family. We're going to have more on Junior still ahead as Talladega absolutely met the hype on Sunday. It offered some of the most bizarre moments that we have seen all season long. Chaotic. Craziness. It's all because of close racing, and it always happens when we come to Talladega. Green flags in the air! The terrific point about all the points Brad Kozlowski has gained today. They could be huge. You see him coming down pit road. The only car coming down pit road. Paul Wolf has decided they have to fix the radio. They've determined that the only place Brad can really hear them is on the front stretch. So what's going to happen is Jerry Kelly, the car chief, and Tim Whitaker are going to go on the right side. They're going to attach an antenna this time for sure to make sure that it stays on and Brad can hear them. Very critical that he hears Joey Meyer, his spotter, at the end of this race. Daniel Suarez in front now at Talladega. Suarez trying to pull Trevor Bain along as well in the pink number six on the outside. Riding along with the bat cam, 100 miles an hour on that camera as they go down the back stretch. Oh, there hard, it is. hard into the wall, the 41 of Kurt Busch. He'll collect the rest of the field. The 18's in it, the 48's in it. The 88 is in it. It's a two-pager. That's how many people are involved that have been in this big wreck. Side-by-side side for the lead. Larson trying to take it away from Chase Elliott. He's got no help behind him. Suarez back up there. Big wreck behind them. Legato gets in it. Trevor Bain also involved. Ryan Blaney in the 21. Big hit for him again. So another red flag. It's red flag number two. Small pack, but this is it. All fighting. A huge opportunity for some drivers out here. Suarez is going to go around. He got tagged from the back. Right in front, hard contact. Hold it up there. Hold up there. Yellow's up. Be ready, guys. Very common theme from Chase Elliott on down. Out. Denny Hamlin pushing Ryan Newman. They've got a little advantage on the outside. Can he get Newman past him? Newman. And Denny Hamlin clear the two. Now the two working almost in tandem. Newman has a car length in front of Keslowski. As they come into three and four for the final time, Keslowski on the high side, trying to take the lead away. Side by side as they exit four. The tricky triangle they're about to come through. Contact made. Keslowski still in front. Through the triangle they go. Keslowski's going to win at Talladega. So Brad Keslowski and sixth place finisher Denny Hamlin, the only playoff drivers to finish in the top ten on Sunday. A few notable finishes for non-playoff drivers, and those include Trevor Bain in third and Greg Alding in ninth. A career high for the 19-year-old former Dago winner David Reagan in 10th. Uh, here are the other 10 playoff drivers for you. Uh, Kyle Larson and Matt Kenseth involved in late race crashes, still running at the end, but the rest did not. Once again, Brad Kozlowski rose above Talladega's chaos, and he spoke with Rutledge Wood after taking the checkered flag. Wow. Uh, I survived. <laughs> you know, it's um, what a special day. Uh, 
We haven't been as good as we want to be on the mountain half, so we knew we needed to come to Talladega and get it done. And uh, this is a great track for us and one that we really enjoy coming to. And uh, it's great to get a win here. And number five, I never thought I'd win at all at Talladega, but five times, oh my gosh. Um, credit to everybody on the Miller Lite Ford and everybody at Team Penske who built a, a really good car. And then, uh, good Lord above, we got through some big wrecks there. And, uh, you know, you got to have a little bit of luck to win these races. Then you got to execute at the end. And I uh, didn't get the, the restart we needed to clear. And the 31 and 11 got the lead. And I just had to make all the right moves to get back by them. And uh, right at the end, uh, I put the block on my teammate, Joey Logano. And it was just enough to get the momentum to, to win at the start-finish line. But uh, I'm glad I don't have to do that again. <laughs> Huge crowd. They stayed for every single lap. Give them some love. Thank you, Talladega Speedway. Appreciate it. You know, last year's playoff race at Talladega was an elimination race because Lowski suffered an engine failure. He failed to make the cut. Of course, a better outcome this time around. He's moving on to the round of eight after that thrilling win. Among those below the cut line right now, Kyle Busch sitting right there in ninth. We're going to have to discuss where he currently sits right now as it relates to the playoffs. But let's start with Brad Kozlowski. How did you see those final laps playing out for him? Did you see his teammate Joey Logano helping him to that victory? No, not at all. Not, not at all. I, I saw Joey Logano with a crash car almost win the race, uh, to be honest with you. I, I think as we got to, as you come down the backstretch on that final lap, you see Joey make a move one way. He's kind of following the two car. He's a number of car lengths back. Uh, but as Brad clears the 31 car of Ryan Newman, as, as we're watching right here, as Brad clears him, you see Joey on the bottom. Now Joey goes to the top. Now he's getting that draft off both those cars in front of him. He's getting a pretty stout run here with the 43 car of Eric Amarola just coming up to push him. And you see Brad as he clears right here. He goes to block Joey, and then he comes back across, gets a little sideways. He didn't want Joey Logano to win this race. He needed this race. So Joey did not help him by any stretch of the imagination, I think, in this final lap or so. DJ, help us clarify Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s comments after the race where he basically said that he wasn't the chosen car. He had some spoiler issues, and ultimately the rest of the field that was whittled down at that point didn't get behind him. How did all of those things play into Brad Kozlowski's favor? Well, I think there were a number of things. Obviously, the, the damage that Dale Jr. had on his car uh, made it uh, him a non-factor there at the end. We didn't know it was going to be that severe as they got started or restarted for that final uh, run for those last couple of laps. Uh, but he was able to help Brad on, on the restart there and, and keep him in uh, in play right there. And I agree with Kyle that, that Joey Logano didn't really do that much to, to help Brad, but he didn't hurt him either. He was there to help him and gave him the push that he needed as they got in certain positions and especially over off of turn four. So he was being a good teammate to that. But when he, once he got his push, he had his sights, just as Kyle said, set on trying to win this race with a torn up race car. I've seen better looking cars than that not finish at <laughs> Martinsville. And we'll see that again in a few weeks. But uh, it was just a great run. And I think this whole thing comes down. You had a couple of guys in there uh, that are really good plate racers. And Brad being uh, one of those, Dale Jr. being one, and Denny Hamlin the other. Denny took the lead, and I think Denny's probably mad at himself today for not doing a better job once he got up there. But so many things are happening. You just can't block everything going on. And I think that Brad's comments about the, the Fords being sleek and, and aerodynamic really helped them uh, to, to be a factor there in winning all four of the plate races. But he just did an outstanding job. He understands where he needs to position himself, and he's ready to get in that position and did a great job uh, every all through the day, especially navigating when he didn't have that radio commitment 
miscommunication. That could have been devastating to him. He could have been one of those in that wreck, too. Yeah, I, I thought Brad did a phenomenal job. We, we've, you've got to go back now. I, I know there were a number of accidents, and we look at the number of cars running at the end. I'm going to put a little bit of an asterisk beside that because we have the new rule this year where we have the five-minute clock. These guys can't come in and repair their cars and go back out. In the past, they were able to fix a car and go back out and get points. You can't do that anymore the way the, the rules are written. But if we look at Brad, he wins the first segment, runs second in the second segment, and wins the last segment. This was a place where he knew that they needed to win. I think we heard Paul Wolf say it in post-race. We heard uh, Brad Keselowski say it in post-race. This was a place that they had circled after Charlotte. They all got together and said, we've got to win Talladega to be able to advance. His issues with the Toyotas and the Chevys have been well-documented that he thinks they have an advantage. But at this place, he felt like his Ford was on equal footing, if not a little better. Yeah, and I think that's the important thing is knowing they have that. Doug Yates and, and Robert Yates have always, yeah, this has been a focus of theirs. Daytona and Talladega always making the most horsepower and that's why we've seen the Fords be so good. You know, they have a good uh, aerodynamic package, certainly, but you can see these drivers be able to pull out at times and, and without much help, uh, make some passes that others just couldn't do. And as we saw Chevrolets get up front uh, and uh, some Toyotas, especially Denny Hamlin there late, if he didn't have the right help, he couldn't stay there. So uh, Brad understood what he had and knew what he had there. And, and I think putting all of that together, you just have a, a package that works well for him. And you don't win five times at Talladega by accident. Uh, yeah, you've got to have some good luck along the way. And certainly there were times there that, that he could have been caught up in those accidents, but he did a nice job of navigating through there and then getting himself in the right position. So it's all about that balance and being lucky. We're going to hear from Doug Gates a little later on in the show, but this notion of luck versus skill, what Talladega <laughs> gives you, what you bring to Talladega, is something that the fans are curious about. They reach out to us a lot during Victory Lap on social media wondering what part of this, DJ, was luck and which part is skill. And is it a coincidence that you have drivers like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Brad Keselowski making it through some of these wrecks that annihilated the entire field given their history on tracks like this? You know, yeah, no, it's not. You know, there is a lot of luck involved whenever you have cars wrecking all around you, in front of you, to your side, uh, and you come out of there and can move on and still be a part of the race. Yeah, there's a part of that that is luck. But paying attention as a driver, that's not luck. And understanding when you see things and reacting and not overreacting at times. And you can see that there were times, like right there, the two car, Brad Kozlowski, if he jumps on the brakes, he probably either is going to get run over from behind or his car is going to start spinning uh, because he got on the brakes so hard and, and that's going to make him part of the accident. So there are things you can do as a driver. The way that I always looked at it and still look at this and, and watch there yesterday that you're 100% unlucky uh, unless you're the one that created the accident. <laughs> Whenever you're in the accident, if you become a part of that. But I think that there's probably 20 to 25% of skill involved in being able to navigate through that and, and another 75% of it is just uh, somebody looking down on you and, and helping you navigate through that. But you can do a lot of that yourself uh, just by paying attention and being aware and ready. Sometimes you get in those packs and you find yourself in a little bit of false sense of security and really just saying, okay, we're just riding here. When you know that at any point in time something could happen and you have to be ready to try to avoid it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You, you know, when you, when you, um, 
and I didn't do the math there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I probably <laughs> didn't write. That's a little bit too complicated for me. But here's here, but you're exactly right. It kind of equals it out. You put yourself in position sometimes. Dale Jr. in in the first big crash, he spun. He spun down through the grass, looped the thing around. Nobody hit him. Nobody came off the bank. That's not driving skill. That's just luck. You're just you spun at the right place. Nobody came across. Nobody got to you. We look at the 48 car. Uh, he's binding his own business down about four or five lanes. A car comes across and clips him in the in the right rear and sends him in the outside wall. That's unluck. Uh, unlucky. He could. There's nothing he could do uh, about something like that. So I, I think putting yourself in the right position, having that attitude that I can drive through this, and I think that's what the two car of Brad Keselowski has. His attitude when he goes to this place is are. Everything I do is going to be right. Everything I do is going to be positive. I'm going to do the best I can. And sometimes, you know, you're going to end up in an accident. We've seen him in a lot of accidents. But a lot of times it's just like this. He somehow seems to find his way through it. Dale Jr. does. We've seen so many guys uh, who are successful at these places. It's luck uh, a lot of times. But as Dale said, Dale Jarrett said, there's 25% of it this skill. You've got to put the car in the right place. Yeah, much more on that coming up. Uh, we've got a packed show for you today. We're going to chronicle Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s weekend, get his thoughts on his last cup race at Talladega. We're also going to examine the playoff fortunes of Kyle Busch. In good shape coming into this round, but now in an absolute battle heading to an elimination race at Kansas. Also in jeopardy is the seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson. We'll tell you why stage points might be the key to him advancing to the round of eight. And we'll look ahead to Kansas. Which teams have the advantage there and which manufacturers have the advantage? Much more on that discussion when we come back. Wednesday Night Rivalry is back, people. Patrick Kane and the Chicago Blackhawks facing off against the St. Louis Blues and their star forward Vladimir Tarasenko. Division rivals colliding. That is Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on NBCSN. Well, the primary focus of the weekend was not on the playoff drivers, but it was on the sport's most popular driver. The Earnhardt family have made the Talladega faithful cheer for years. And in his final race there as a full-time driver, Dale Earnhardt Jr. did his very best to give them one more win. On Friday, the track presented him with his father's old car. Dale Jr. even had the opportunity to take it for a spin, take it around. Governor Ivey proclaimed that October 15, 2017, would be Dale Earnhardt Jr. Day in the entire state of Alabama. Dale Earnhardt Jr. will be making his final start tomorrow at Talladega, and he will start from the pole. The crowd goes nuts when they see the 88 of Dale Earnhardt Jr. winning the pole. Hopefully we're going to give him a lot more to cheer about before this weekend's over. You hear the crowd roaring. They know what's about to happen. Up front, Dale Earnhardt Jr. He's won here six times. Green flags in the air. Oh, there hard, it is. hard into the wall. The 41 of Kurt Busch. He'll collect the rest of the field. They saw the 88 get by. Even though he was sideways, he was able to continue on. And the crowd appreciating that. Still an opportunity for Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I had anything to do with getting through there. Dale Earnhardt Jr. One last time down the Talladega Super Stretch. Through the trail, but they go. 
Keselowski is going to win at Talladega. It's a few times there where we could have used a little help. We didn't have none, but I ain't going to complain. We had, we had a decent finish. What an emotional weekend it's been for Dale Earnhardt Jr. Not a win, but a very solid finish for the 88. It was a uh, pretty awesome weekend. A lot of things going on. We had a ton of media that was uh, a lot of fun. The uh, track um, gave us this old race car. So they restored this car, sent it to the museum, and it's been there. Uh, and I remember going and seeing it as a little boy when I go, go to the Talladega races. Now, I'm going to send it back to the museum there eventually, though. I appreciate them letting me uh, have it for a while at least, and I'll have some fun with it. But uh, it belongs in that museum, and it belongs to the state of Alabama. So I'll make sure it gets back there one of these days. thought we had a pretty good car. All them wrecks started happening. I don't know how we missed all that stuff. It's just really about being lucky more than anything. Uh, we had a couple decent runs that um, I thought we could do something with on those last couple laps, but that one where Joey blocked or defended me up into turn one and two there and run us real high, that was pretty much the end of the day for us. Once, once that run didn't work, we just couldn't uh, recreate any more speed after that. I know a ton of people spent money to come out there and see us and so i'm glad we at least got to run all day and give them a few things to cheer about during the during the afternoon make it pretty exciting at least it was a special weekend i could tell that there was a lot of support there you know that really made the the weekend really special so i just i hope everybody knows how how much we appreciate that so tough to not get the win, but this is the kind of news that really makes that matter just a little bit less. The Earnhardt family expecting a baby girl. Excited to share the wonderful news that we're expecting our first child, a little girl. We are both thrilled and we can't wait to meet her. Adorable pair of shoes there as Junior and Amy get ready to welcome another one into the fold. And we welcome Nate Ryan into the show here. That's big news for Junior Nation and, of course, for the family themselves, <laughs> yes. Nate. Um, but I'm still wondering, that aside, how palpable this disappointment is uh, for Junior after what happened this weekend, coming so close after really missing the mark at all these restrictor plate tracks up to this point. Well, I think he would have liked to have won, Carolyn. But I know I've heard you say, heard, I've heard you say it this this year. I've heard others say it that when is it going to feel like Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s season career is finally coming to an end and feeling like this is his final season? And to me, DJ, this weekend really felt like this was it. I mean, it had the right amount of sentimentality. There were the feel-good moments. Even though he didn't win, I mean, you guys were talking about it earlier, there's no other track where you can hear the roar of the crowd over 100,000 people, over, you know, that the roar of 100,000 people over the engines when they're going by down the super stretch and the front stretch at Talladega Super Speedway. And I really felt like you, you had that this weekend. And giving him that number two car that his, his father owned and him being on the pole. This really felt like this was the moment, DJ, when there was a great appreciation for everything Darner Jr. has done in his career. It felt like this was the race this season when it really felt like we're finally honoring, hey, this is Dale Jr.'s last year. Yeah, with everything that I saw during the entire weekend uh, of everything that was happening, you could tell from just his voice, the appreciation that, that he felt with, it, with everything that was being done for him. And, and I think that it's finally setting in to him that, uh, hey, this is coming to an end. But I think he also realized that realistically yesterday was going to be their best opportunity to get back to victory lane that, that one last time. Sure, he, he has a chance at the rest of these races. They've been running better, and we know that anything can happen at any of these. But, but I think that one would have been more special to him if he were able to do that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it has set in. And, and he was, as Dale said, you could hear it in his voice. He was humbled. 
he, he was humbled by everything that went on. I think the car, his dad's car, being able to go out on that speedway where his dad won so many races, um, in that car that his dad won a championship in, uh, to be able to close that loop and to close it at Talladega for the Earnhardt family, but for him to be able to do it, that was pretty special. It was a generous gift from the people yes. of Alabama and is going to stay there because, as Junior said, that's where it belongs. We're going to welcome Dale Earnhardt Jr. to our Hall of Fame set tomorrow, a full hour with NASCAR's most popular driver. He's going to discuss his final full-time cup season to this point, a great weekend at Talladega, and so much more, including the newest addition to his family. That's tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern, right here on NBCSN. So Talladega basically took the playoff field, put it in a glass jar, and shook it up. Eight of the 12 remaining playoff drivers did not see the checkered flag. Some of them are now in very big trouble as another elimination race comes next week at Kansas. We wanted to pit a couple of laps earlier, and, and you're somewhat dependent on those spotters to tell you when you're going to pit, um, and you assume that everyone's kind of working in a group. I mean, it's my fault. I, I, I assumed that... They said the 18 was going to let me in, so I just thought we were all going to pit. I don't even know where the 77 was. Um, and so when I got on the brakes, I thought we were all coming to pit road right there as a group. And I mean, I'll take the blame for that. I just, uh, I just kind of assumed that we were, we were coming to pit road right there, and, and obviously we, not everybody was. All of a sudden, the 38 came down. I uh, saw some stuff going on in top, uh, kind of right in front of me, and uh, the 38 just uh, ended up parked right in front of us. And, uh, you know, I felt like we had a really good run coming up the bottom with the 48 trying to get some of our track position back that we had lost at the end of the second stage. But, you know, we got points in that first stage like we wanted, and we were in position at the end of the second stage to get uh, points as well and just didn't work out. And then I felt like we had a, you know, in position that we could, you know, work our way to the front right there, pass a few cars, and, you know, getting contention for a win just uh, wasn't our day. I'm fine. I just didn't – I didn't know where the heck the 48 car came from, you know, uh, with all the – encapsulations of the headrest and all that stuff I couldn't uh, I never saw them coming you know I wish I would have obviously I would have tried to dodge left and go to the apron and shoot down there I thought looking at it it looks like I could have missed it but um, just uh, never seen them coming so unfortunately that uh, we got caught up in that mess and none of our own doing I thought when I cleared to 38 I was home free I was clear of it you know and then I uh, had another one come up from the left side so I just hate it for my guys and everything going on with what we are our situation was for today and uh, we'll just have to go on and go into Kansas now. So, DJ, this is what Talladega does. Kyle Busch going from plus 33 to minus 7 on a single Sunday. And now, how much trouble is he in? Well, let's see about why he's not in as much trouble as it may seem in my mind. First off, how have we ever seen Kyle Busch be that calm after a Talladega <laughs> accident took him out? So that's why I'm not too excited about uh, him going to, to Kansas and doing one of two things. Uh, so 2017 brought us uh, stage points and stage racing and then uh, the opportunity that, that you would have this year that you normally wouldn't have. So he built a good body of work in the regular season that is even allowing him to be this close, only seven points behind uh, because of where he started. So other years, you have two bad races like he's had. He wouldn't even have a chance other than going to Kansas and winning, which I think that's his, the second thing. He's very capable of winning at Kansas. So I think he has two opportunities here. He goes and runs well in both the, the first two stages. That's 
just say he gathers 17 to 20 points in those, uh, so he's already got himself in a good position, and then runs in the top five, which he's done pretty well reg uh, on a regular basis recently. So I think he has great opportunity. I think Kyle Busch uh, gets through with no problem. And yeah, Nate, I, Nate I, I guess we should really say the last two weeks, that 40-point swing, because it's yeah. not just Talladega. Yeah. It's cumulative right. over the last couple weeks. But when you look at Kyle Kyle Busch's performance at Kansas in the past. What do you see for what's going to happen this weekend? Yeah, you know, for, at one point, Carolyn, Kansas Speedway was really a house of horrors yeah. for Kyle Busch. I mean, it took him 10 years to get his first win there, but he's now had five straight top fives there, and it's indicative most, I think, in the stage points that he collected in that race in May. He had 16 stage points in that race in May, as, as DJ just mentioned, stage points, that new wrinkle this year. And I think the fact that Toyotas are running really well on mile-and-a-half speedways right now, he is qualifying well, I think you can you can count on him amassing a significant number of stage points and probably more than the guy he's right below uh, in terms of the cut line right now, Jimmy Johnson, who hasn't qualified all that well. He's only qualified um, once in the top 10 in the last eight years there. So I think it, it's, it, it lays out here pretty well that Kyle Busch will have, I think, a head start going into Kansas through the first two stages. Yeah. I, look, I, I don't even know why we're talking about this. Hey, Kyle <laughs> Busch, <laughs> I, I know we're looking at the points. Don't look at the points. What Kyle Busch has had, and Dale Jarrett mentioned it, his body of work in the first 26 races, he was in contention to win almost every week. Stage points, wins, He's put a package together. We're going to a place that's a mile-and-a-half racetrack that he can gather those stage points. But honestly, I'm not sure the stage points are going to matter because I feel like just as Brad Kay was below that cut line going into Talladega and now he's sitting there with a win, Kyle Busch can go there and win this race. And all this speculation and all this doubt, we can throw out the window. They are capable of making this making this turn, making it to the next round, and being in that final four. He's still a favorite as far as I'm concerned. Nate, you brought up Jimmy Johnson. Let's get into that a little bit further. He is a driver, you yeah. can say, that hasn't really mastered the stage points and the qualifying. Right. What? How much of that do you think will matter at Kansas with the position that he is now in? Well, I, I think it's a factor, Carolyn, because he doesn't have a huge bulge right now in Kyle Busch. And qualifying has been the Achilles heel of the number 48 team pretty much all season. And they've admitted that they've tried to fix it. They've tried to work on it, but they don't really feel as if they're making any progress. And again, you look at how many stage points he had in May at Kansas. He had five versus Kyle Busch's 16. So just going off with that right there, DJ, I think you'd almost yeah. call it a push between those two in that battle for that last spot going into this race. Yeah, there's no doubt. They're going to have to have one of their better efforts of the year, I believe, at Kansas. Uh, and don't I won't put anything past Jimmy Johnson being able to to do that. But I'd go steal the 24 setup and putting that 48. And Jimmy Johnson <laughs> will be fine. Yeah, you know, I, I, look, I doubt Jimmy. I, remember, I had him out in the first round last year, the second round last year, the third <laughs> round, and then he wins the championship. But I, I say this, and we talk about stage points. He garnered 10 valuable stage points yesterday. And and Dale Jarrett and I looked at it and said. There's Jimmy. He's third or fourth on the list of stage points at Talladega. Would have never expected that. That will be critical for him, I think, moving into Kansas. Because if he qualifies the way he has been, as we've heard here, he starts farther back. Chances are you're not going to make it to the top ten in that first segment to get stage points in that first stage. You're going to count on getting it in the second stage and putting yourself in position for the final stage. So this qualifying 
effort for him at Kansas City, I think is going to be a big statement on how this weekend will go for them. Okay, coming up, uh, two young stars in the hunt for a win at Talladega as well. It was such a wild race until they got cut up in late Rex. More on the days for Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney. That's next. Friendly reminder for you, the NASCAR playoffs continuing this weekend at Kansas. You may or may not be aware. The Xfinity Series race is Saturday at 3 Eastern on NBC, and then Sunday is the Elimination Racing Cup. The field for the round of eight is going to be set at 3 Eastern right here on NBCSN. The Xfinity Series was off this weekend, giving playoff contender William Byron a chance to visit his school, Liberty University, for a bit of a homecoming with that the back of the truck waving to fans. In addition to taking part in the homecoming parade and meeting those fans, the 19-year-old also unveiled the Liberty number 24 Chevy that he's going to drive for Hendrick Motorsports next year in the Cup Series. Liberty's going to be Byron's primary sponsor in 12 Cup races for both 2018 and 2019 seasons. The current driver of the 24 car, Chase Elliott, is going to switch to the number 9 next year, honoring his family's racing tradition. And after three second-place finishes in these playoffs, Chase went for the win on Sunday night, but his aggressive move didn't exactly pan out. Let's hear from him and fellow second-year driver Ryan Blaney now. Yeah, there was definitely a hole. I think uh, got to the inside of Daniel and, and Kyle had left me enough room from the bottom to, to get there and was there. Just uh, I don't guess he saw me in time. I had a really big run coming and uh, time of the day to go, so we went. There's not really a silver lining and have an opportunity to, to finish one off there and and not, but you know, it, uh, it was far from over and, and had an opportunity and just more disappointed about that. But uh, car was good again today and, and I think that probably means more than more than anything. So we'll move on. Oh, I don't know, I don't really know what happened. I, um, we were at the wall and uh, someone got turned or something. I didn't really, couldn't really see anything. Next day I knew we were wrecked. So um, it was a really good day and uh, now it's, uh, yeah, down the drain. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Blaney keeping it short and sweet. Those two were running 1-2 at one point on Sunday, and when they were, NASCAR tweeted this. Amazing to think just five years ago that those two were a couple of kids and the NASCAR Next program being heralded as future stars. I don't even recognize Ryan Blaney in this photo, Nate. That's a different haircut than the one that we see today. It is, and like DJ says, he, he takes after his mom, as yeah. I think you can see here a little bit more uh, <laughs> now than... than than before, yeah. You know, DJ, he, he didn't have much to say after the race, clearly frustrated, but he was able to accumulate quite a bit of stage points. How yeah. important is that going to be? Yeah, that was their plan going in. I was talking to Eddie Wood last night uh, as we got to the airport on the way back, and he said, you know, that was their plan. They knew they had a fast race car and, and that, you know, Ryan is really good at these plate tracks, too, and uh, they, they did exactly what they wanted to do, and that's what still has them right there in the hunt, inside the, the top eight right now, is is getting those stage points. But I really, you know, we, we can't have favorites and pull things, but as good of friends as those two are, and they were when they were running up there, one, two, I was hoping it would come down to that. I wanted to see just how they might treat each other in a situation to where they were going to battle for the win. Of course, it would be Chase's first win, uh, but they're just outstanding. There's going to be a lot of victories to come, uh, and, and I look 
that and think that probably both of them will move forward. But yesterday had to be just disappointing for them. Chase did nothing wrong in my mind uh, as a driver. Uh, he put his nose in there. He was trying to win the race, and, and uh, Ryan Blaney was just a, a victim of circumstances. So two young talents uh, that uh, are going to be around for a long time. Yeah, and actually they had that contact uh, earlier in the race, DJ. Yeah. And it made me. I had the same reaction to it. It's like, wait, they're best buds, and you realize, <laughs> oh wait, they're friends. Obviously, they go to Amsterdam or wherever they tour Europe together, but they're going to race hard for victory. And I thought it was telling one of Dale Jr.'s first quotes in the post-race media uh, session post-race was about how when he was right behind those two running one-two, he was he he said, I'm looking at the future of the sport right yeah. now running one-two. So I think you're right. I don't think we, we root for drivers. We root for storylines. Sure. And to see one of those guys win at Talladega would have been quite the storyline. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he... When we talk storylines and talk drivers, and, and we've talked about it on NASCAR America all year. We talk about it on pre-race. We talk about it on post-race. We talk about it during the broadcast on NBC. We're seeing a change in the guard. These guys learned a lot about restrictor plate racing yesterday. Chase Elliott did a phenomenal job uh, of getting to the front, blocking both lines, stopping both, both lines. The same thing that we've seen Brad Keselowski do. The same thing we've seen Joey Logano do. The same thing that we've seen Dale Earnhardt Jr. do through the years. We saw Ryan Blaney do the same thing and get a stage win. Uh, we also saw Daniel Suarez. I'm going to throw another guy yeah, that we really haven't spoken about a lot. Another young driver that got a lot of valuable restrictor plate racing and Talladega experience. These are the guys we're going to be watching. These are the guys that are going to be in the playoffs in the future years. Uh, and as Dale Jr. said, this is a glimpse into the future of what NASCAR will be. And NASCAR fans don't want those two to get along no, on the racetrack, no. right? I mean, that's what Steve Latard <laughs> always forces home to us is that they may be friends off the track. We don't want them to be friends we don't want to know that, though. on the track. We don't want to know. All right, coming up, we're going to have more on how the two crew is able to fix their radio troubles in Sunday's race. This was a huge story, helping Brad Keselowski get that win. Hit crew review next right here on NASCAR America. As they come into three and four for the final time, Keselowski on the high side, trying to take the lead away. The tricky triangle, they're about to come through. Contact made. Keselowski still in front. Through the trial, where they go. Keselowski's going to win at Talladega. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Well, Kyle, you know that every single crew member plays a role True. in victory, but at Talladega, there really is one crew member that stands out, and that is a spotter. So let's hear from Brad Kozlowski's eyes in the sky in our pit crew review. Kozlowski on the high side, trying to take the lead away. Through the trail, but they go. Kozlowski's going to win at Talladega. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Hey, I'm Joey Meyer, spotter for the Miller Lite Ford after 188 laps of beating and banging, no communication. Brad, do you hear me? Brad cannot hear his spotter, Joey Myers. You have to hear your spotter. Side race and drafting our partner. We were able to bring the Miller Lite Ford home. Appreciate everyone being here. We're back to Talladega at Victory Lane. Great moment for the team. They worked so hard. Such a big turning point for the two crew coming on lap 157. We were actually able to replace that radio antenna that had fallen off Brad Kay's car. In victory lane, we heard a little bit more on that. Crew chief Paul Wolf discussed having to deal with those radio issues. It was tough because any more of the speed we were racing, track positions uh, important. Um, but I knew we had fairly good speed in our car. And uh, if we could... Uh, 
we needed the communication, especially towards the end there. Without a spotter here, it's very tough. Um, and I knew we had to bite the bullet, give up a low track position, but uh, paid off in the end. How do you actually describe what it's like inside a race car to be here and every other word at this track? You know, and we talk about how mental this track is, how you need to stay focused. Um, a radio button hung wide open where there's nothing but static coming into your ears. Catching every other word, whether the guy's trying to tell you that somebody's inside or outside, uh, it's critical. It, it is critical. We can't, I, you can't talk about the importance of a spotter at Talladega or Daytona enough. Talking to Joey Myers in Victory Lane, he said a piece of debris came up off the racetrack and sheared their antenna and, and all the works off. They felt like at that time, and we heard Paul, at this time, it's critical. We've got to get communication with our driver and make sure that he understands everything that our spotter's saying. Uh, it was a great call. It was a gutsy call to give up that track position, but it paid off. Yeah, DJ, it was a call they felt they had to make, and you wouldn't even fault the team if they wouldn't have been able to pull off the victory with everything that they were going through, but still, they made the call, and they were able to get it done. Yeah, as a driver, that is so hard. To, you've got a top five position right there, and you know that you're in a position to go win, but you also know that at, Tal at Talladega, especially this day and time, you have to have that communication from your spotter. With these cars uh, moving around and, and, and as close as the competition is now, uh, you just have to rely on the spotter that much. And, and when it's not working, it becomes more of a distraction when you're only getting part of that. I mean, you can imagine if you're just getting clear and then you don't get the high or low part and you decide that you're going to go one way, uh, and that's the wrong way. So there's so many things. I, I applaud Paul Wolf for making that call and, and making Brad understand that this is something we have to do uh, because it's not something you want to do come to pit road at, at that point in time. I, I can only remember one time telling my spotter and actually cutting the radio off that if he wasn't going to be any more help than that, I'd just turn him <laughs> off. But it wasn't at Daytona Talladega. I turned the crew chief Todd Parrott off a number of times. Well, I mean, that was what was funny, I think, about hearing this relayed by, by Brad and by Paul after the race, DJ, is, you know, Brad didn't want to come. Yeah. And you can understand it looking back. I mean, he gave up fourth and fell all the way back to 30th on that restart. But at the same time, I mean, like, what track would you need a spotter more than yeah. Talladega? I and mean, I think we saw ample evidence yesterday why you absolutely need to have somebody talking to you at all times. But I guess drivers, you know, naturally think, oh, I, I can clear myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, if, if things get a little bit dicey, things will be all right here. So, yeah, I think Paul Wolf gets a lot of credit for even though it seems like a natural thing, like talking Brad Keselowski into pitting and giving up fourth, I think uh, showed what kind of kind of crew chief and what kind of leader he is. So we're just waiting for the day that uh, Dale is going to take his earpiece out and stop listening to us on NASCAR <laughs> America. <laughs> just go rogue and just say whatever he wants to say. Keep your earpiece in. Um, all right, so we talked about the manufacturers. This has been a big point of discussion for Brad Keselowski and really throughout the entire season. Roush Yates engines powering him to the win on Sunday. So we'll hear from Doug Yates about why this video Victory was extra special for his family as well when we come back. Anything can happen. Obviously, you hope to not be in a must-win situation. It's going to be intense, and it'll keep you on the edge of your seat the whole time. Whenever you have an elimination, you see some extra aggression or more desperate moves if you got to have that spot to get into the next round. And our coverage from Kansas starts on Friday with Monster Energy Series practice and qualifying here on NBCSN. On Saturday, the Xfinity Series playoffs continue at 3 p.m. Eastern over on NBC. And then Sunday, the round of eight 
going to finally be set. That elimination race at Kansas, our coverage beginning with NASCAR America at 1 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN right here. Sunday was a special afternoon for Brad Keselowski and for Ford and for Doug Yates, who leads Roush Yates' engine. She's the son of late Hall of Famer Robert Yates, and he spoke about what this win meant to him and his family. My dad and I love racing here together so much, you know, just from the time we started with Davey Allison in 1987 when he won here to, to his last win with Dale Jarrett uh, in October 12th, you know, same day he passed 12 years ago. So it's, uh, it's an emotional time. You know, it's a great place. I'm, I'm glad I'm here. It feels like coming home, and I know he would be so proud of us and all the hard work that everybody at Roush Yates Engines put in and the Ford performance and the drive that Brad Kozlowski and Team Penske put on was was really special. We take a lot of pride in our Speedway program. You know, it's, it's something that uh, started with my dad years ago and, and it was one of my first assignments and, and we just really enjoy it. You know, building great engines is all about the details and, and all the people at Ford Performance and Roush Yates give us everything we need to do and put their heart and soul into to see it come turn out this way. You know, there at the end it was getting pretty thin with Fords, but uh, but I knew Brad had a clean car and he's won here, you know, lots of times and uh, he's he, he knows how to get it done. So uh, we're really, really proud and just proud to be here and uh, I know my dad's smiling today. Ford completing a sweep of all four restrictor plate races this season with the win on Sunday. And going further, the Blue Oval Brigade has won the last seven plate races in the Monster Energy Series dating back to Brad Kislowski's win at Talladega in the spring of 2016. DJ, start with you. I know how much Robert Yates meant to you. He passed away two weeks ago. And I know what his son means to you as well. How big do you think this weekend was for their family? Yeah, certainly uh, helped in the healing process. There's no doubt that that going to victory lane and, and seeing your cars run run well. And uh, as Doug pointed out, this was always something from the time that I went to Robert Yates Racing in, in 1995. That was a focal point was Daytona and Talladega. Well, you know, we're going to build you the best engines. Then it's going to be up to you to go out and get the job done. And, you know, Brad Keselowski and I talked a little bit about it after our interview yesterday that, you know, because of that hard work and, and that attention to detail uh, that, that we're the benefactors of that by being able to visit Victory Lane there at those places. So uh, it was great to see Doug there and, and had a smile on his face. I know it's been a difficult to, a couple of weeks for him and his family, but uh, just little small things to, to help them along the way. And I think, DJ, I mean, the, the fact that Ford gets seven straight plate wins now and sweeps the 2017 season, I mean, I think certainly they, that manufacturer could win again, but yeah. the way Brad Kozlowski has been talking, this <laughs> this might be the last opportunity and, you know, what, what better way than, as you said, I mean, to, to end it at a place if that's the last victory they get in 2017 to do it at a restrictor plate track to do it at a place where Robert Yates and his engines have always performed so well. Yeah, you know, I I like to go back to the old school and and Dale's dad, Dale Jarrett's dad raced, obviously, Ned, uh, my dad. It's family. Family continues to give back to the sport. The Yates family. Here's Doug Yates. Uh, After his dad had been an engine builder for so long with so many different organizations from Die Guard and Junior Johnson to starting their own team, uh, Doug Yates is still in that engine room, still perfecting what that Ford engine is. Uh, And that speaks volumes for that family, for who Robert Yates was, for for who Doug Yates is. I think the Fords, uh, it goes with just as, as Nate just said. Great super speedway program, but as we've heard Brad say, they got to pick it up on the mile and a half. But Martinsville may be a place for them. I was going to say, Nate, I mean, just quickly, is this really the end for them? I mean, I know we have a lot of mile and a half tracks moving forward, but Brad Kozlowski can't stop talking about this. Well, you know, I, I think, Carolyn, that, you know, as Kyle just alluded to, I mean, Paul Wolf said after the race that Martinsville is a must win now for them, just the way they, they tab Talladega is a must win. So I think, I think that says it all. 
All right, that's all for NASCAR America for today. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. Don't forget, a very big show tomorrow from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Taylor and Hart Jr. are going to join us for an entire hour and big baby news for their family. We'll discuss that and so much more from the Hall of Fame, 5 p.m. Eastern time for that show. Thanks so much for watching today. We'll see you tomorrow from the Hall of Fame. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.